CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we see a nominal Miko. Welcome to space. Hello, Jake. Hey, it's buddy. A, How you doing? It's a big day down in your neck of the woods. Uh, not so much. No. <laughs> <laughs> to Jake's surprise. <laughs> it turns not out Cinco de Mayo, not really a Mexican thing. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's, it's more. Uh, gringo it's more <laughs> yeah, Gringo de Mayo. Yeah. So um, if you're a Mexican American, big day, I guess, for, <laughs> for tonight, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, today is just a work day. It's just a Thursday <laughs> so far here. Quieter than the average Thursday or just as noisy? Uh, just as noisy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's a normal day. But uh, good. So how you doing, man? How's, uh, how's Philly looking today? A little, oh, little toasty? A little what? A little toasty? A little warm? Oh, it's moderately warm. I will tell getting you this, though. Yet? I'll be honest. I tried to go out and buy a Tecate. Uh, that the store oh, yeah. was not selling singles today and I didn't want to buy 30. So <laughs> <laughs> that is just a lack of ambition, man. So that's not, indicative. I, I didn't know. 30, 30 Tecate, Tecate is like, I think the conversion rate is like maybe 12 or 15 normal beers. So I think you would have been okay there. <laughs> what a power hour to an entire case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All the singles were sold out on Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means, yeah, that means a lot of people were buying. It either means everyone already bought the singles or they're only going to sell 30s. And I feel like it's the latter. <laughs> yeah, they got rid of, they took them off the shelf. <laughs> no, it's it was. Mile. Yeah. There's a minimum purchase order uh, <laughs> law today. <laughs> um, I am very excited about this show, Jake. This is a this is a great one. This yeah, is a great yeah. one. It's, it's, it's funny because like so when we do these kind of shows where we don't have a guest and we kind of like pick a weird thing to talk about, that sometimes it starts as like, uh, well, we have nothing else to do this week, so let's do this. And then we like go in and do it. And then at the end of it, we're always like, oh, man, I'm so excited yeah, for this totally. show. We should do this every week. <laughs> we write down these ideas and never get to them. And then when we do it, we're like, this was a great idea. Why didn't we do that a lot yeah. earlier? So, I'm pumped. What are we doing? Yeah. We're doing Cursed Rockets. Yeah. But do you want to do drinks cursed first, though? Yeah, we do. I just was doing a little yeah, teaser. Just a little teaser. Okay. All right. Keep the intrigue. Cursed Rockets. Well, I already started cursed my drink thing. Because I planned on getting Tecates, but I'll be honest, I'm still finishing off this case of Hop Horizon from Trogues because it's so delicious. And uh, I had these on standby in case the Tecate incident went as as it did. So so is this like three weeks in a row now you've had that mm-hmm. one? <laughs> these are the last two. Yeah. I'm a, I'm really impressed with your uh, your uh, discipline to keep an entire case of beer in your fridge for like three weeks. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't work like that for me. No. <laughs> No. It's been a busy couple of weeks. I've been yeah, I have not been yeah, here on the yeah. weekends as much, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh so what do I got here? So um you told me to go back to the beer company, so I did. Yes. I took your orders. Um I got this one first. This one is Ooh. awesome. Check this out. Uh, Jurassica. So hard to hear. Jurassica. That, that looks like Reptar, dude. Yeah, it's like a Tyrannosaurus you know Rex, man. I do know Reptar. Okay. You just had Reptar? you had no reaction to Reptar. I was a little worried. <laughs> I don't know if it looks like Reptar, man. It looks like a T-Rex. I'm pretty sure that looks like Reptar. Yeah. I'll fact check that. Tell like me the, about this. If you could look really close, it's chasing two little beer people. Can you see that? Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> it's pretty they good. Look terrified. Right? <laughs> yeah. So this is a this is a local one brewed right here in the crater. The dinosaur killer crater. <laughs> All right, this is what Reptar looks like. 
Yeah, that's that's not what this yeah. looks like. This is how I remembered side. Reptar. So, <laughs> I mean, other than than both being green, green lizards, it's yeah. Not. <laughs> I, I guess Reptar was not a dinosaur. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, oh yeah, wasn't like more like a Godzilla type? Seems more Godzilla. Yeah, that's what Bradley's telling me. I have a backup too. Um, this is a, oh, a dude, brewery. Bradley's called... got it. It's the it's the dinosaur from Toy Story. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'll, yes. I will accept that. Yes. I will accept that. Uh, backup beer. I got a Mustache uh, Pilsner. Oh. This is a um, this is um, a brewery that has a, a like a tasting room like right by my house that we just like it was on a main road like two blocks from our house and it took us like months to notice it and now <laughs> we can just walk over there and drink in the outside beer gardens. Oh yeah, so it's great. Yeah, there it is. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that that's matches. That matches. Yeah. Reptar. That's not Reptar. It's Rex. <laughs> Rextar. 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 All right. So, Cursed Rockets. Um, do, do you want to the preface? Horns. Like, I love so the horn in your background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you just punch you? Cinco de Mayo. Um, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know how you want to explain this. Yeah, we were just want, like, let's pick like weird Weird uh, failure uh, modes uh, was really our thing. Because, like, there's some, there's some obviously yeah, cursed ones that, like, aren't honestly aren't that interesting to talk about amos 6 crs 7 recent yeah well, even like starliners launch right like that was pretty pretty screwed up in the in the world of all the rockets that have screwed up there's a pretty high bar you have to meet to hit the off nominal standard for mm-hmm. for talking about it so we picked and i think we're I doing think- historical mostly yeah, well, I mean, they're all in yeah. the past, I guess. They're all, they're all historical, <laughs> but some are very. So, uh, I, the way I was putting it was like historical, meaning like pre-off nominal studios existence. Sure, sure, okay. The ones yeah, that yeah, are within yeah. that window are forgotten about ones. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. how I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we just wanted to like have some fun with this and pick some bizarre stories and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about yours, but the, the the couple I researched, they just got weirder and weirder the more I read. Like even even things that I like, I already knew them, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll just go and get all the details. Now I'm reading. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> there's also way so, more I'm launch afraid. anomalies than you think because there's not like a. I don't. I didn't find like a list of all the launch anomalies on Wikipedia because there are so many. Especially when yeah. you look into like the Titan line of vehicles, there's like ones that have one paragraph on Wikipedia but probably look ep- looked epic in real life that there's just no video of. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those kind of things, like, you know, 70s to 80s era where there's stuff went wrong, but you don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. That's like, reminds me the the early, um when they were working on the, the precursor to Atlas, you know, there was like that weird, like, sounding rocket style test bed that bed they did and one of them just went up and came like right down on the bunkhouse and people were running and there was craters and dust and like just shit like that there was just no no video of that kind of stuff you know it's just a it's a story in our heart <laughs> but uh yeah uh so i don't know who do you want to go first how do we decide mm, i don't rocket know i didn't really do a theming here <laughs> i don't know uh, we should start okay. with the one that everyone's thinking of right which one is everyone thinking of Proton. Is that what everyone's thinking of? Okay. Probably. I don't know. Proton's such All right, a good I'll one. Take it. I'll take it. It is a good one. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, because I am a like an unabashed Proton fan. And so um, you know, I wanted to make sure we covered this one. So let's just watch it first. This is 2013. Um, this is a slow-mo video, which is fantastic. It's like a really good, <laughs> really good video. 
But like immediately you can tell something's wrong. Yeah, it starts tipping before it clears the tower. Yeah. You're like, like, oh, look at the gambling happening already. Oh, like it's boy. like, oh, 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 fix it, fix it, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Every bad KSP launch you've ever had. Like, oh, we're already mashing the keyboard. Oh, God, right, no, yeah. the other way. It's Don't like oversteer. You, Don't oversteer. <laughs> when you forget to put the fins on and it's just, it's not aerodynamically stable, so it's like bouncing on all over the place. Yeah, so can you narrate that. a little? What is the plume situation there? Is that a leak? Is this a fuel leak? What's going on? Uh, it's a it's a fire in the engine yeah yeah see the, the so the first thing to know about this is like more than one thing went wrong <laughs> <laughs> you don't and, say and, as it flies sideways and, yeah and the the thing that like the, the big thing that made it now it's spinning right the big thing that made it go wrong was like if that hadn't happened the other three things would have been really big news but because they're not they're just like faded <laughs> in the background and nobody cares <laughs> look at the spin the spin on it and it gets to this point too it's just yeah, it's fantastic. Oh my gosh. What a glorious video. Mm -hmm. Oh, and there it goes. The whole thing starts... Staring tears up. I mean, props to Proton for making it this far into a complete U-turn and staying together. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man. And then, boom. And whoever's filming this um, is like, oh my lord, this is about to be... Number one, the most epic shot I've ever taken in my life. And the most terrifying <laughs> shockwave I will ever get hit with. Yeah, because so that, that's like the big thing about this one is it did not get very far. Like, as you can see, like there, you can see the liftoff plume on the left there, right? Like <laughs> it was only, I think it ended up being about a kilometer and a half from the launch pad. Um, and this like, wow, super okay. good. Uh, okay, so, um, so I was reading about this. <laughs> okay, so this let's talk about this. right? So like 2013, yeah. yeah. So they had lots of modern review boards to deal with all this and all that kind of thing um but the 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 biggest problem that ultimately caused this was it was the imu so inertial measurement unit this is the thing that measures you know forces of the rocket and tells it which way it's going you know how how far it's turned which way it's going measures gravity gradient all that kind of stuff and the one on the yaw axis so they have like some for pitch and some for yaw all the yaw ones were upside down <laughs> like that's ultimately the that's ultimately All the problem them. with this is that is it the rocket thought it was upside down, which is why it flips over. <laughs> so, like that's just if I told you nothing else about it, that would be really funny. <laughs> just to listen to that that they put them in upside down. But when you really dig into like what that means, it gets even worse. <laughs> so first of all, there are three IMUs in the pitch axis and three in the yaw axis. All of the three in the yaw axis were upside down, not just one, all of them. And so, well, the first one went normally, in, and they were like, "Yes, they all go like that." <laughs> oh, you think so? But there's more on that to come. So just hold on to your hold on to your uh, your hat there. Um, so, so first of all, normally they can do a thing where, like, if one of the IMUs bugs out and gives weird readings, the other two can like override it and they can figure out the right thing. Not in this case because all three of them were upside down. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, I was reading that, and I, I had this quote here too. Uh, well, we can get to that after, but the, you know, the first thing I ask when I like think about that, I was like, well, why would, why would you make it possible to install them upside down? Right. Um, so first of all, there's an, an arrow on each one of them that points up and that was ignored. They just turned now all three of them were pointing Literally down. The so one that's rule, the pointy end up is the single rule. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one single rule. I can't believe they did that. Second of all, Honestly, no, I was like, okay, wait, Go, just let's linger on the arrow situation. So that okay, is okay. the arrow is pointing up in the direction of flight, but is it installed 
like are are they putting this into a thing, right? They it's take like this, some they weird take little hatch on the side and they mount it. I don't know. But, but I'm saying if the, it goes I, like I wonder if the people that were doing this were reading that as like put this direction in first. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't rather know. than it goes up, because I think that's a, now uh, the other issue is like there probably should have been people that have done it before that <laughs> I could tell that <laughs> yeah. it was not pointing the right direction. Uh, anyway, uh, continue yeah. on. So, yeah, so that's your first issue. So then the second thing I ask myself is like, wouldn't you like I'm not an engineer, but it seems to me that what you would do is like you'd build it in a way that you physically could not install it unless it was in the right way. Like you key the interface somehow, right? Like just it's like a, like a USB a port. Basically. Yeah, something. You can't put the USB port in upside down because it's got that little plastic. Tap. Every that's camera like battery you, in the world has like some so sort like of would, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got I have a GoPro camera battery right, right here. It is, right it's there. got a key on it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I was like, there's, there's, I'm like, okay, did the Russians really do that? And no, they didn't. They did key it. It has five little pegs that only go in, in a certain way. And so how do you get something keyed to go in the wrong way? Same way they hit put their Soyuz boosters on for the Nick Hayden You hit flight. it with a hammer, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like the same old Russian story over and over again. They recovered the one from the wreckage and it had all this damage on it that wasn't from the blast. And they're like, how did that happen? <laughs> like, and they went, what NASA astronaut was in here hammering our IMUs? <laughs> did so, Serena <laughs> Chancellor get into the Baikonur Cosmodrome or something? <laughs> So, so basically, it said, on it, it said the, Serena was here. WUZ oh, on no. the IMUs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you've been Serena. Um, <laughs> no, so so basically, they they had this review board, and whoever, like you know, the Richard Feynman of the Russian review board was. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> basically, like took the 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 samples and he hit it with a hammer. He's like, "Look, it's the same damage." Oh my god, he did the he did the Feynman bit. <laughs> he did, he did. So, so that's your second thing. Is that the arrow pointed up? They wanted oh to put it god. down, and they had to use a hammer. To now, do is it. there video of this guy doing the Feynman bit? No, so that would be epic um, if he did. If he styled it exactly the same way, too. Like, <laughs> I thought to myself. Yeah, no. And then they had this issue where basically they put a young, some young engineer, they, they found the guy that did it, right? And it was like, uh, another problem is that it was installed two years earlier and the whole thing was sitting in storage. Uh, that's another Classic. theme we can talk about with, you know, putting stuff in storage. Boeing, listen in, this doesn't work. Um, and so uh, <laughs> they did that and they found the guy and his supervisor as well as a quality control person were supposed to visually inspect it and neither one of them did. Mm. And they all signed the paper that they did. <laughs> they totally pencil whipped wow. it. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's some, you know, there's some pretty crappy uh, 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 quality control. And uh, they got kicked out know, of the proton paper. line. They yeah. went right over to Soyuz. They were. Yeah, exactly. Handed a drill. They well, said, no longer shall you be trusted with a hammer. Here's a drill. Get to work on so the so not not even like examples after like you're talking about. There's some before too, like the the original uh, Soyuz flight, Soyuz one. I don't know if you know that one. That so that's Vladimir. Uh, so Vladimir Komarov was the single pilot on that, and he died because right. the parachute didn't come out. Right. And when they figured it out, is that they like they had measured the canister for the parachute, and then it they very precisely cut it into the thing and then it could fit the parachute, but they didn't account for some like spray insulation coating that they put on it. And that like extra millimeter mm. of thickness kept the parachute not fit. And they used a mallet to put, to get it in and then it wouldn't come out. So 
maybe maybe we should just be taking the hammers out of the Russian uh, rocket factories. It might be it might be, it might be nothing know. was ever improved with the hammer because the issue is like how many yeah. how many missions flew with some sort of hammered hardware that worked a yeah, lot yeah, uh, surely that, a lot yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah um so another cool thing about this uh, i don't know if you can i don't know if i can give you a link to this but if you pull up google maps and go a to long my time camera, oops what you am i pulling can, up um, google maps yeah, you can actually see the crater still. <laughs> you still? I was gonna, I was gonna look at this one that um, Anatoly Zach has, real quick. Yeah, I found it. I was like, I was like, man, it's it's a big crater. It was like, uh, this was this was know, the stuff big. that I saw on the site there, right? So, mm-hmm. but you, what do you got? It. You got some. Is it evident if I go to Google Maps or do you have a? Yeah, do you have you some just, coordinates? You just go to, <laughs> no, no, just go to Baikonur and I can walk you through, over to it. Well, this is um. Because I don't know if I can send you one with coordinates, can I? I don't think so. Let's see. We're, gonna, right, we're, gonna, we do, we're gonna do this live. Let's do it like this. This is more fun because I want to know if you remember. So here's the cosmodrome. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so zoom out because it's kind of way off to the left. Um, follow that road up to the left there. <laughs> follow zoom the road. out a bit more. Zoom out a little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. Because um, oh, it's near the launch pad. Well, it's side, like probably. the proton launch. Yeah, that way. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. So um, you see pad 200 there? Yep. Right where your cursor is. So that's the right proton one. And then the left up to the top left, that's the the left one. So there's two launch sites for proton. Yeah, so this is the one okay. where it launched from. And it launched down and to the right. And you can see it's not far. So it's like, um, so zoom in kind of right where uh, it's like center bottom there kind of uh there's a whole bunch of tire tracks south of the rail line and oh, north of the other yep. rail line in between right, right there that's the crater. yeah and you can see it still has all the, the truck marks <laughs> the from when they tracks. went to uh and it looks like it's been like scraped over and stuff but yeah that's that's the impact site so that's... you can still see this crater from the 2022 google satellite view of uh wow the thing if we ever get to baikonur that's we're gonna cool. do a live show from the proton crater <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're gonna do off nominal from the most phenomenal <laughs> crater. Oh man, that's a great one. Wow, yeah, nice. So I love it, I love Google Maps and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, boy, that was um, heading in a really bad direction. <laughs> if you look at right, yeah. the, the heading of that, this is that somebody brought up FTS earlier in the chat, and this really makes you think. Why? Why did this? Why was this allowed to uh, a long time continue? I keep hitting this button. By yeah. So I was reading about that too. And Anatoly Zach, who's got the best coverage of this, of course. So we'll put the, we can Classic, put the link in yeah. there, but um, he says that because they're worried about the rocket clearing the site and all the different things nearby, you cannot turn the engines off until T plus 42. So that's why even when it starts like spinning, the, the engines are still firing because they can't right. turn them off in that window. So this whole anomaly happens inside that window. And so the engines fire all the way to the end. Isn't that insane? Like, why is why? there not like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know who designed this. That's stuff, hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty crazy that, that that's a thing that, that can happen. Um, but yeah, and there was all this other stuff that happened. So like it, it took off early. Um, it didn't reach full thrust before it took off. It was like a half second early or something, which is like not good. And then it uh, uh, had an engine fire, which you saw, and that caused some problems for that one to turn down. And then, yeah, as the IMU was spinning, it was trying to make up for it. And eventually you just saturate it and then it can't. So that's why it just started rotating because it was trying to, it was trying to like turn the, 
um, it, it does a roll maneuver to go down range yeah, properly, yeah. and it just, it was way off by then, and so it just kept rolling and rolling. <laughs> this this is the perfect one to start with because all the ones that I want to talk about have one of those failures in it. Like all of them <laughs> have contained all of the failure modes, right? Like there's the the Vega flight that happened. Um, when was this? Twenty. This was 2020. This was like pandemic era, but um, they there was two cables that were installed inverted. Uh, and that was that switched the direction of uh, engine gimbal control. So when it tried right, to steer right. up, it was aiming down and it ended up tumbling. <laughs> um, and so it's like not that interesting of a failure mode. But I did find this video of, uh, you know, Arian Space in the launch launch streams. They always like cut away to, to interviews and stuff while people are trying to watch the rocket. Um, there was a the couple good head. moments from that one that were like very subtle. But for space nerds was like, well, that doesn't seem right. So uh, first up. This one guy is talking, and it's very hard to see while he's doing this interview, but in the back, uh, if you look very closely, you can just start to see the hint of a problem, the the underperformance of the trajectory is just <laughs> starting, right? The X is a little low, so you're like, oh, something must be up. But the real, the real best part of this one is this guy who's doing an interview at the desk, and you can see the upper stage is finishing its burn. Now we don't. I don't know for sure that this is related to the anomaly, um, but as the interview continues, it the graphic is behind them and it just starts spinning in the background. <laughs> like you know, over the next couple minutes, it's just spinning there. And after this, they go to like the oh, well, we're gonna take a minute to figure out what's going on here. But this is this seems like unrelated because I think they had already lost connection to the vehicle at this point. I think it was already dead. I think it died during that upper stage burn or something like that. Um, but I just appreciated this guy blissfully unaware that there's like an unfolding yeah, anomaly behind them. Yeah, yeah. So like the failure wasn't that interesting, but that, that part of it was, but oh, the one man. that, the one that <clears throat> there was a couple good Arian five launches that there's hmm. two good yeah, ones I hear this. and, I and they hear both this. were similar to what you were just getting on about with Proton. Um, the first flight of Arian five was atrocious. <laughs> it's a completely horrible flight, and I don't feel like anyone really remembers it much. Um, let's just watch it real quick. We're going to watch the full first flight of Arian 5. Here's the entire thing. That's going to be very loud. Uh, this is the entire first flight. Oh, we're doing narration. I'm going to jump to the actual launch. All right, here we go. You can let me know how the vol volume is coming through for you. Looks this good, yeah. Okay, great. This is the entire okay. flight. How long do you think this flight is, Jake? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. <laughs> Just take a guess. It looks what, good so far. How looks far good. into the flight do you think we are? 20 seconds. Oh, okay, you think that's where we're going to make it? I have no idea. I feel like you're leading me on to a joke that I don't know. No. You're not leading on anything. I'm just curious how uh, <laughs> long you think this first flight will go. Looks great so far, right? Like everything's yeah, look, looking good. Looks nominal. Looks looks great. Going down range, doing a little pitch there. Solids look uh -oh. good. Oh, that's not. There we go. Okay. Boom. So there it is. Um, now right, you might right. wonder, similar to Proton, this didn't make it very far. No. Unlike Proton, um, what does the Arian Five launch over? <laughs> Ocean. Well, it has to go over a very dense rainforest first. Okay, all right. And there's a lot of flaming solid propellant that is now heading down <laughs> to the guy. 
They made an automatic adjustment. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Traumatic. How much catches on fire from this? Like the the smoke plume at the end of this video. Here's all the people on the beach. Infamous beach. We'll get back to that beach in a hot yeah, minute yeah. about this the second launch. A return, a return yeah. to the show later. Totally. Um, I want to see if they get to the the smoke plumes here later. Oh, this guy's awesome. Maybe you can translate for us. <laughs> Listen to this police guy. Oh wait, I missed it. I missed it. He's like yelling at this one dude. <laughs> Did you catch any of that? What was going on there? I didn't catch it. No, okay. I had circulate. I think was was you know get out of here to circulate. You know. Look at this. Look at this forest fire that was kicked off at this thing. Wow. Horrific. Okay, so this is the most nominal failure I think because it is not a hardware failure. It is a complete software failure of epic proportions. Maybe one of the worst software errors of all time. <laughs> okay, all right. It, all right, so first flight of Arian 5, right? A lot of heritage here. Uh, reusing a lot from Arian 4, okay? Such as the entire code from the inertial measurement units. Ooh, I am used, not doing so the good whole, so far this episode. <laughs> no, not great. So... Arian 4 was, what era did that come about? I don't know. It was, what, what, when was that? 70s, 80s, 90s kind of thing. It's Something been like a while. Like, Arian 1, 2, 3, and 4 were all pretty similar, right? Yeah, they were like versions of each other, basically, right? And then 5 yeah. was a major departure. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. That stuff existed for a very long time. So they switched to Arian 5. They reused the code for the IMUs. And I think m more of the navigation hardware than just the IMUs. but. Importantly, there was major differences between Ariad 4 and 5, such as <laughs> the flight path was entirely different because it had two gigantic solid rocket boosters now. The, um, importantly, the horizontal velocity that Ariad 5 picks up early in the flight is way more than Ariad 4 did, which had a much more straight-up trajectory on that initial like a phase. more lofted... Yeah. So okay. there was a, a piece of code in there that handled, you know, keeping it in, in control... Very important on Arian 4. Completely unnecessary on Arian 5 after liftoff. It was used for like early, you know, early in the countdown, uh, getting all of the navigational stuff set up, but it wasn't necessary when it was actually flying. It had other stuff to handle that, but it was still active. Hmm. And it was coded with 16-bit integers, but the rest of the hardware in Arian 5 was using 64-bit integers. And importantly, the thing that fed horizontal velocity into this reused piece of code uh, was sending 64-bit integers into a 16-bit integer variable. Once it got 37 seconds into flight, the horizontal velocity was greater than what can be controlled or contained within 16 <laughs> bits. So they started sending in, uh, you know, more than it could actually understand. So what it did was an exception, an uncaught exception happened in the in the actual software. And one of the debug codes was then read as flight data. So it was a it was an error code for this exception that was read as flight data, which made the rocket think it was 90 degrees off of where it was actually pointing. And it went, oops, got to got to correct this. Um, so this exception led to oh, the exception also momentarily led to um, a complete shutdown of both of the inertial reference systems. Um, and it put in that faulty flight data. So it did a hard 
a hard gimbal, solid rocket boosters and the main engine all gimbaled over. And that's why it did such a hard turn. Uh, and then it completely uh, came apart, as you could tell. Um, they, they, they had a Starliner like failure here where they when they did all their testing on the ground of this hardware, they didn't use Ariane 5 trajectory data. I don't know what kind of data they used, but they didn't use anything based on the Arian 5, uh, Arian 5 uh, trajectory. Um, oh, yeah, and there's some more info here that they were using the same code on everything, so everything crashed at the same time. Whereas, like, on Shuttle, all the backup systems use different versions of the code so that if something crashed in one, if there was a bug, it, it would probably not be the same kind of bug as the other one, on and on. So I just love that there was an uncaught exception that led to debug code it's being presented as flight data leading to a 90 degree gimbal on a vehicle so i'm like kind of i'm trying to process all that but that's like it's like that's basically like a y2k but in space 100 <laughs> percent, yeah it totally is <laughs> in fact i'm pretty sure oh no it was a different i was locked picks over <laughs> I, I got on a different thread about a centaur issue that there was like i found like a forum from the 90s and it was about was this centaur issue a y2k bug and i i was like man this reads really funny now that we're in 2022 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was a horrible uh very similar you know imu situation there with uh you know i, I feel a lot of sympathy for that though because i have a ton of uncaught promises in my totally when oh I my god <laughs> well that's why i felt like the other ones we can laugh at hammering stuff in but this i was like shit man i could be there like that could be me you know yeah yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Look, you're you're just trying to get to you know to like some sort of MVP. You just want the software so you can show your boss. Not going to waste your time with all those catch statements. We can add <laughs> those in later. <laughs> but honestly, like these are the kind of things that you would expect today on like Starship, right? Oh, we reused this thing from Falcon Nine, but we didn't actually test it, and this happened. Yeah. Big deal in Ariane world. There was one of these uh, compilation videos contained like some some of the Sunday cartoons in the UK, and it was. Uh, pretty horrific, like, you know, Issa killing itself cartoons. I was like, Jesus, this got this escalated quickly. So Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the other good Arian 5 one I can do real quick. This is a quickie. Sure. Um, we don't remember this one as well. Like, people just, I feel like, scrub this one from uh, from memory. <laughs> um, so this one time, <laughs> this one's really hard to explain. I like how every time we start, you're just like... Here we go. Okay. <laughs> um, I got to pull up the video too. Uh, that's a terrible song for this. Um, all right. So this was in 2018. They were launching two satellites, SES-14 and Alya. Was it Alya Sat-3 or something like that? Alya-3, yeah. Late in the uh, launch campaign, Alya-3 requested um, some weird... They were going to launch to super synchronous, geosynchronous transfer orbit, right? So... Much higher apogee than typical geosynchronous transfer orbits, so that you it's basically to save you know delta v and yep. whatever. And um, late in the game, Alia 3 requested that for whatever reason, I can't there's it's tough to find a lot of info on this one because they never actually released a full investigation of this, they just released the mm -hmm. recommendations that came out of it. But they requested that, or not requested, but they basically demanded that when they were released from the vehicle. They had to be released in a right angle, uh, perpendicular to the line of flight, right? So they had to be, instead of like separating in the direction that you're traveling already, they needed to separate 90 degrees to the right, which was incompatible with Arian 5's software. Like this is where there's, 
why that was incompatible, no one can fight, figure out. There's like flame wars on NASA spaceflight forums about what was actually the issue here, but was it gimbal <laughs> lock? Was it laser lock? Was it this, that, or the other thing? Nobody really knows, and they'd never said. But whatever it was, they couldn't, in the standard configuration, launch Alya 3 to the right. So what they did was <laughs> they then made the rocket think it was flying 20 degrees oh, no, no, different no. than it was. So they... They had to use a special launch azimuth to tell the rocket that it was aiming 70 degrees out of the launch pad when it was in reality, because they've set all the parameters correctly, aiming at 90 degrees like it's typical for directly east, which is typical for their geo launches. So they were going to set all these variables different so that the rocket was tricked into flying. And I believe based on how this reads, was it like roll maybe that they needed it to be rolled into a certain orientation so that when Ariane's upper stage yawed, they could they could yaw and end up perpendicular to the flight. That's like mm. the best reading I can figure out is that they needed to just be that roll program needed to be done differently so that when they end up in orbit, they can point differently than they normally do. I don't know. This is where it's hazy. So. I know there's some people out there in Arian Space's launch uh, team that might listen to this, so send us some info if you can, because I'm very yeah. curious. Whatever. They're like losing their minds right now. Yeah, at totally. All getting this all wrong. <laughs> yeah. But here's where, here's where I know this is right. There were two places they had to set this offset. There was two different pieces of, of the software and hardware that needed to be set for the 70-degree azimuth. They only set one of them. So it launched and took a hard right 20 degrees, uh, and this is where... This video from uh, somewhere near Koru takes over. If I can play it. This is a little time lapse of where this rocket is flying. Um, you know, it looks pretty typical so far. You're standing at a launch site. Everything looks fine. <laughs> Here's where you start going. Hmm. Okay. It's going up. Definitely going up. Not going out a lot. Not going necessarily <laughs> away from the people. Yeah, it should be pitching much. right about now, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the direction of where the waves are coming from is generally my assumption when there's the ocean <laughs> nearby. <laughs> so, oh, this isn't the time lapse. I thought I was looking at the time lapse. I might need to do the time lapse one so you really get a sense because this guy oh gets a little. God. Hold on, let me switch to the time lapse one because this will make more sense. Oh, it's a YouTube short. That's great. Okay. <laughs> How, can I full screen this? I don't know. Just deal with it. It's a YouTube short. Um, so this is that video tracked so that you can tell that it just starts arcing directly over their heads. <laughs> that moon, the moon right there, is 83 degrees up oh my from goodness. where they're standing. So that flew about 83 degrees above people, right? Which is basically directly over everyone's head. Um, so... Can you, can you imagine being in like Miami and having that happen to you? Like, yeah, oh, wait a minute. That's weird. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this is the, here's the map, right? Green is the, uh, the places that they can launch out of Koru. That is the safe zone to launch, right? From north, basically straight east. Red is where they went. Um, if I zoom in, <laughs> you see Koru. They were probably standing, you know, somewhere on the beach there. Like, I think wow. they said it was about it was closer to Koru than Proton was to its launch site. Like it was a 1.1 kilometers from the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So now what's really That's... bad, again, let's talk about FTS systems, flight termination systems. Why, <laughs> Jake, why wasn't the flight termination system used on this flight? 
Because they would have just rained debris down on all those people. <laughs> Honestly, that is exactly the case. Once they realized it was off course, the range safety officer realized that Koru was in range of all the debris and the rocket was doing fine. So the safest course of action at that moment was to let it continue yeah. past yeah. the city. So like it didn't get caught early enough and it and once it, they realized it was it was too late to do anything about it. So you know, not to say there's something in that report that they don't want to get out there, but it is pretty weird they haven't released the full thing. At least I haven't seen it. Maybe <laughs> it does exist somewhere. They quietly released it a couple years later, but that one yeah, was maybe. that's a rough one. Yeah, these software errors are like just they're they're both very painful and also so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like man, I can't. Well, I can't that's the other thing about this was like, much like the different than the proton one, right? Where the the experienced people should have seen the arrows pointing the wrong way. When mm -hmm. they when the people looked at this to to verify everything was set up right for the launch, the thing that was still set to a ninety degrees is what it typically would be. And if they didn't know the weird quirk that it needed to go to 70 because, you know, like if they were compartmentalized on that info enough, yeah. they wouldn't know. Very, it just looks bad. regular. That's just hard coding in uh, an off by 20 error so yep. that your code works. Like <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. What else, you got? Uh, what else is your favorite? Yeah, this one is definitely my favorite. Um, so we're going to go back to Russia. I'm just making fun of Russia, old Russia launch vehicles today. Um, so I'm trying to think how the best way to tell this story. So maybe can, I got a picture of the space shuttle there. Can you open that one up? Okay. So everybody knows space shuttle. Um, you got, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that everyone watching this is familiar with the space shuttle. You got a big orange tank, you got some solid rocket boosters and you have the engines on the orbiter. So Critically, the engines on the orbiter are taking the fuel out of the middle tank. All right. Everyone knows that. So everyone also knows that Russia tried to copy this with the with the Buran shuttle, right? So here's the Buran. Uh, looks pretty similar. But if you pick up the, the picture I have there of the engines, you can see it's a bit different. So the, the big <laughs> critical difference between these is that the engines aren't on the orbiter. They're actually on like where, you know, the, the shuttle's orange tank, basically. It's like an SLS core booster in a, in a weird sense. So that's the one of the big design difference between shuttle and Buran. And what makes that interesting is it means that you can launch whatever you want on the rocket, on this, the, the, the stack's called, is it Energia? How do you say this? Energia? Energia? What, what's Energia? The, I don't know. What is the Russian I think we debated this once when we did the logos episode. Maybe, they have a great yeah. logo. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, you can launch whatever you want on that. And if you're developing Energia and your test rocket is ready to go and you want to do a test flight, but the people over at the other design bureau who are making the Buran Orbiter are way behind schedule because orbiters are very hard to make, um, you can launch something else, such as they did, which is the Polya spacecraft. So... This is like one of my favorite stories because this thing is just bizarre. Okay. So ultimately what this is, is a, like, uh, it's a, it's a weapon. Okay. So it's a big space laser, like not even, <laughs> not even making that up. This literally is a space laser. They 
quickly cobbled this together because they wanted to, uh, this is when uh, the strategic defense initiative, is that the SDI? It mm-hmm. was Star Wars, right? Star Wars. It was like, was it Reagan was doing that, right? Yep. Where they're like, we got to shoot down the missiles coming from the Soviets. And so Reagan was going to make all these, these scary things. What's old things. is new again. What's old is new again. Um, and so the Soviets are like, well, we got we to gotta find a way to fight the thing that's going to fight our things. It's, you know, just escalate it. And so they like threw together this plan to make this giant space laser. And they launched it on the first energy Hold test on. flight. We got to talk about this picture of it, though. Because this is... Yeah, it's fantastic. It's such a ridiculous looking... Like, this is the kind of shit that you would do in a James Bond movie in that era. <laughs> right? Like, it's so James Bond. Yeah, it's um, totally like... And it's oh, huge. It's, just, it's enormous. <laughs> So that thing is like four meters diameter. It's like f- almost 40 meters long. It's almost like a, a Falcon 9. It's a whole stage. rocket. Like that's how big it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's an entire thing, but it's not a rocket. It's a laser. Right. That's how big this thing is. Because um, that stack is, is, is I mean, that the energy of rocket is um, like, a, it's a super heavy lift. It's like 95 tons mm-hmm. to low earth orbit. It's like Saturn V class of a rocket. Okay. Like big, big, big rocket. Um, and so, yeah. So, so uh, keep that picture up though. Um, I want to oh, okay. keep talking about this Sorry. for a little bit. So, okay. So you look at, look at the laser. That's the black part, right? Uh, looks pretty aerodynamic, right? You can see like the, the nose cone on the top and you've got all this thing. So that's the correct orientation to launch it. The weird thing about that though, is that how this is built. And if you, if you go back to like the diagram, um, I told you this thing was like quickly cobbled together, right? Like they, it's like a very quick test flight. So let me tell you what that means because it's, it's insane. So the top part of it, you can see like the solar panels and the, the body there. That's a functional cargo block. That's like that's the Zarya, Zarya, mo- Zarya yeah. module on station, right? Like that's Zarya, their, yeah. their normal. It's literally their state. It's made the same in thing. The same as, like week that Zarya was made. <laughs> probably. Yeah. And like it's, Nauka, all the salutations. So they just grabbed one of those and said, "Hey, this thing knows how to fly in space." Stuck it on the on the on the laser. The whole bottom part's the laser. But the problem with doing that is, you, like, you get a cool shortcut because you don't have to d- invent avionics again or whatever <laughs> and solar panels. But the the functional cargo block is not designed to handle launch loads right next to a rocket engine. It's meant to go at the top of the proton, right, oh, very far away from the engines, and so in order to put the engines for Zarya or the functional cargo block, which are, and by the way, this, this laser has to finish its orbital insertion on its own. It's got its own propulsion from the functional cargo block. So they want that on the bottom because it's a rocket engine, but it can't be near the engines. So they literally flip the whole thing upside down and launch it upside down. So the engines that finish the orbital insertion are facing up during the initial boost phase, all because the functional cargo block will get vibed to death. <laughs> it's real bad vibe at the bottom bad of the rock. vibes at the bottom. <laughs> real bad vibes. Well, I can see also the ridiculous <laughs> amount of engines on these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big rocket. So <laughs> you, you kind of you guess that. So yeah, that that is the, the, the key thing to understand there. <laughs> yes, is that the Polyus rocket, though it looks like the laser, it looks like it's aerodynamic and pointed in the right direction. It is, in fact, upside down. The laser is pointing down and the rocket engine is pointing up. So that sets you up for the, the big problem. And we can watch the launch. It's very quick. You don't get to see the, the anomaly because the anomaly happens later. But uh, I do like watching May the 15th, video. May 15th, 1987. What a, yeah. what a time. 
Yeah. I do I'm like this sure video because the Flyers um, were in the Stanley Cup around then, and I think we got swept by the <laughs> Islanders, I think. Um, watch, watch the twang. You know how the shuttle had twang when the engine started? Oh, yeah. So they just they just kind of like go for it on this one. And so twang happens in flight. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy, right? Is there cause, audio cause on this? I need to be turning it up probably. Oh, yeah. Because the engines aren't on the orbiter, right? So you have to wait just looks lift so off ridiculous. Look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Baran did that, too. Like, it's just how energy works. So. Man, the launch video from, from these, though, are just terrible. I wish these two launches had better video. <laughs> Cool. So yeah. that was the launch. Now let's talk uh, wait, about why. Important context that Bradley's put in the chat. They are the side <laughs> boosters on this are are essentially four Falcon Nines. Like this is this is the ridiculous. <laughs> let's strap four Falcon Nines to real the big end. Rocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a shame that this never like carried on and did cool stuff because it was like amazing. Um, okay. So so the anomaly that it basically happened. So we talked about the thing being upside down. So the 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 nominal course for this was to. First stage would go up, the the side boosters come off, and then the the core stage would come off, and then it would do a one eighty degree yaw. The polyus rock uh, laser would, and then it would fire its engines and insert into orbit. But they had real bad software, and um, it, we're going to come back to software issues every time on this. It looks like um, it's an important lesson. Everyone thinks they're hardware issues, but pretty much all this is software. <laughs> So they basically reused a command. So there is like a command code that they would send to it to do stuff. And they reused it for the, uh, the yaw maneuver. So before they told it to yaw 180 degrees, they told it to ditch the fairings using the same command. And so it yawed 180 degrees with the fairings. And then they sent the, the yaw again. And it kept going another 180 degrees to do a full 360 degree rotation and because these things are completely automatic, it fired its engines. And, uh, well, let's just say, I guess the Soviets invented the boost back burn that day. Um, that's basically <laughs> how it worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did their best Falcon 9 impression and just gunned it back for the launch site. Uh, and so the, uh, yeah, the whole thing just went down in flames because it didn't have, it didn't have any, uh, orbital velocity. So that was the end of the space laser. Yeah, that's such a good one. That thing just—I can't get over that that existed. That that thing ever existed. <laughs> Is there any the, flight the backup or anything? Because I really want to. I wish that existed in a museum. Hmm. It belongs in a museum. I don't think so. Because like it was literally like it was a subscale model. Like they literally yeah. like were. We got this. We got to test the rocket. What do you got? And it's like, oh, let's. And they cobbled it together. Um, How big was the real one supposed to be? I don't know, man. But like this laser is intense. They, so I guess I don't know. I'm not like a laser expert, but they they had this something with it would like expel a bunch of carbon dioxide gas because it was like it was I a CO2 a laser, I think. Carbon dioxide laser. Yeah, yeah, and it would like shoot out all this gas. And then one of the big design problems was like that gas would be propulsive, like it would move the move the laser, right? And so they had to invent this whole thing that would like churn the gas inside of itself before it like dissipated kind of like, you know cleanly and 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 didn't move the whole thing um but they were also worried that all that gas release would be visible from the ground 
And so if you were like an American military officer, you'd see the space laser firing <laughs> and then you'd, you'd, you'd come of after the Soviets. Of course you would. Like, that's so the point they, of a yeah. space laser is that your enemies <laughs> are, are looking up in fear as Starkiller Base destroys half the galaxy or whatever. Like, that's the point of a space laser. Yeah. So they, they added this like other gas, like Krypton and Argon release or something. And then they, they were, their plan was they were going to release that at the same time. And they go, oh no, it's just Krypton and Argon. We're doing a benign science experiment. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm reading that after I'm like, no one would have bought that, man. Like zero people, like there's not a single American citizen that would be like, oh yeah, that sounds legit. Like in 1987, are you kidding me? Like that would not have, that would not have happened. It would have been a, laser man like <laughs> incredible yeah so that's a good one and apparently um uh uh i think it was it was a gorbachev at the time in 87 was the the president he like went to the launch site beforehand and gave very explicit instructions not to test the laser in space because he was worried mm. that you guys gorbachev, yeah. you guys would would interpret it as weaponizing space uh I'm yeah like, why are you launching why are you launching this then? Like, yeah, we sure would. Like, I, I was like, I was like, that seems like a really kind of like half-assed, like direct, like, hey, yeah, you can put the giant space laser in space. Just don't space laser anything. Okay? Don't use it yet. Yeah. Wait they till might I'm realize out of here. It's a, they might realize it's a weapon. So. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's probably it's one of my favorites. Um, uh, very, very bad uh, space platform. You know, all the cobbled together. It didn't work very well. <laughs> um, yeah. I got a, I got you two could... good ones to close this out. Um, I've got uh, epic firework-looking launches that are just some truly just fun. fantastic videos. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not, not that interesting of failures, but they're just fantastic videos for a handful of reasons. Right. So let's just, do, right. let's just do a little, like, a uh, little viewing of of this first masterpiece, which is uh, Titan A20. I think this is the one. This is the one with the really important audio. Listen to this launch commentator. Two, one, zero. We have ignition and liftoff of America's silent hero, the Air Force Titan IV. Great rocket. This is the final Titan IV to be flown. The vehicle has rolled to the proper flight azimuth. We're at T plus 18, 19, 20 seconds. Currently, the twin solid rocket motors are performing nominally. They were. They were. <laughs> T plus 40 seconds. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. Um... Oh, no. <laughs> An epic, epic explosion. I think I've got another one that's uh, also great. This is this is worse, way worse audio. I'm going to mute this one and watch it, but better video because you can see this is one of those like Discovery Channel in Cape Canaveral, you know, one of those shows. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But the video, the video coverage on this one is fairly epic looking. So Titan Four was an epic launch vehicle. Um, oh, I love this rocket. Yeah, such it's a cool kind one. of a. I, like a lot of these early rockets, again, it was kind of a Frankenstein, but it was lovely. Yeah, I love the multiple angles on this one. So what happened on this was um, an electrical short happened, and it uh, momentarily lost the guidance computer. Guidance computer clicked back on, but when it powered up again, it sent some random pitch and yaw signals. 
uh, which just was just enough to completely dislodge one of the solid rocket boosters. So once those are free, vehicles with solids also often have this auto termination thing if one of them loses contact to the vehicle. Um, so it auto destructed because one of them was falling off with the other side. So mm-hmm. now what's interesting about um, so this this delayed the Titan four program for a while. Um, the next Titan four launch was like a year later, um, slightly different variant. Um, but that used the inertial upper stage that they used on shuttle a bunch and they used on a lot of, on a lot of Titans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this was carrying, uh, like an early warning satellite for the air force or something. Um, but it, it failed because the, the inertial upper stage is two sta- launch stages, right? It's a solid booster stage. And then there's a mm-hmm. second stage on it. They didn't separate. Uh, the two stages didn't separate, so it got stuck in a bad orbit. Um, but it didn't separate because they found that the um, a wiring harness between the two stages was wrapped with electrical tape too tightly. So when it tried to separate, the wiring harness was stuck with the electrical tape, and the two stages stayed together. Which is like, I need the name of that electrical tape, because it sounds completely indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we should be building a lot of stuff with that <laughs> yeah that's some great tape <laughs> i just thought that one was such a unique and also like how do you figure that out wow yeah no kidding right hmm. how do you figure out that that's the i mean i guess plausibly they figured they had like some telemetry on what happened when the separation command was sent and they yeah, saw yeah. it kind of go wonky and that they, what they figured out was the only way that that would still be connected is like that bobbed a little wire. bit right like kind of yeah together is it Huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that let me pull up this other one. So the very similar looking failure mode that is also a very famous one was this mm-hmm. um this Delta Two launch from January nineteen ninety seven or something like that. Delta Two out of Cape Canaveral. Uh, very similar era, a lot of solids. Is that a, is that a shark shark mouth fairing? This is a shark Delta Two right here. Um, launching some GPS satellites. Um, oh, I love the yells. Do you hear the yells? Let's listen to that again because the the gas is from the control room. Are sad but fantastic. New GPS to our satellite. Oh, just an epic explosion. Uh, very close to the launch pad, you know, much, yeah, real close. much closer than the other one was. So the other one mostly rained down over the ocean. Um, this one, as you can see in, in the later half of this video, the debris was all raining down on Cape Canaveral, right? It didn't, didn't get downrange at all. Look at this, like terrifying. I hope this guy's really zoomed in on that video and not anywhere close, but just a ridiculous amount of stuff raining down at Cape Canaveral. Um, yeah. So this this video doesn't have a lot in it, but I just want to pull up this YouTube video real quick because this is from the Air Force Space and Missile Museum Foundation, and its title is Mild Profanity. <laughs> is at the end of this? <laughs> Launch an explosion, mild profanity. <laughs> 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 Which is incredible. Um, but I think this video has a some, like helicopter footage wow look at Canaveral. that with the shark yeah so the, the interesting thing i guess i should explain the failure mode here um because that yeah let's look at that real quick so the there was a crack in one of the solid rocket boosters that developed and then grew and so it eventually ruptured debris struck another solid rocket booster right next to it that motor also failed 
Um, and then a second after that, the range safety triggered. So it blew up the, the first stage and the boosters. But the upper stages were not on the same flight termination system, so it actually broke free for a second, which is why you see the upper stages continue on their way. Mm -hmm. um, and then after another couple seconds, they terminated the upper stages. Now, this caused an issue because there was then two clouds of toxic everything, right? There was two different explosions that then blew all over Cape Canaveral, which is horrible. But look at this footage of everything landing at the Cape. And then I think this one also has like flyover of um, the parking lot as well, which uh, had something like 20 cars and trucks completely destroyed and melted from all this stuff landing in the parking lot of the people working on this thing, which is Jeez. making a bad day worse. Whoa, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. This is nuts. <laughs> there was, yeah, here's the, the flyover is just like how destroyed all of this was. Um, the explosion was felt like 40 kilometers away and there was damage like 16 or 17 kilometers away um, just from the overpressure. But you could see like where the debris was falling was in the parking lot and there's mm -hmm. craters, there's melted trucks. I think there was... um. Tim Dodd had a video that referenced this stuff. Uh, I'm trying to... He had a good image that... Uh, oh, there it was. This is a nice image of these cars just totally melted. Jeez. In the parking lot. So it was... That's a heck of an insurance claim, man. <laughs> was that work? Is this like a worker's <laughs> comp thing or what? How does this work? <laughs> So that one's epic. At that point, you kind of hope the Air Force just buys everybody new cars, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably could put that in the next budget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had room back then. Wow. Good launch failures. A couple of good yeah, hardware yeah. ones, but a lot of software. A lot of software. A lot of software issues. Unit tests, guys. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That was the thing with the with the first one I talked with the Proton. Yeah. They, they did a a unit test, which is an electrical test to see if it worked. And they're like, yeah, I am user on. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Check. <laughs> they are on it. They are plugged in. We did plug it in. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> All right. So, yeah, that's Cursed Rockets. Cursed Rockets. And if you liked the Cursed Rockets and would like us to do more research-heavy episodes, which I think are particularly mm -hmm. fun, you should uh, fun. come on over to youtube.com slash nominal and join get the YouTube membership. You can get in the discord, which we haven't yeah, really yeah. like done a lot with that thing yet, but we got some people in there now. So I think we should start yeah, putting some do, stuff yeah. in there for off nominal yeah. peeps. Despite Title. forgetting to talk about it every week, every we, week we have some people who've been first. dutifully joining. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all you members. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Um, discord is <laughs> we've we've been uh uh debating lots of interesting weird pedantic points so uh uh the, the big one right now is whether the rocket lab uh helicopter <laughs> successfully caught the stage or not this is an sn10 <laughs> class uh, argument it's an sn10 <laughs> class argument for sure so it's been a lot of fun hanging out with everybody and talking about that so yeah uh, next week, uh, Anthony, we got a we got a guest coming on. We do. Brian Whedon of the Secure World Foundation is coming on. We're going to talk about the anti-satellite test ban that uh, mm -hmm. Vice President announced a couple weeks ago, and you want to talk about commercial imagery in Ukraine? Not necessarily commercial imagery, but just, just more like generally, satellites. like 
the role space is playing mm. in this like ongoing conflict that we have. Right. So I figured just like, I know like literally nothing about it. So I was like, we just need to find someone who's very, very smart about yeah. this stuff. And Brian's just, got all and that just, on lockdown. I'm going to just sit quietly and have him tell us stories for an hour. It's basically what it's going to be. So. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, we, he and I, yeah. he was on Miko um, a couple of months ago, I guess, I guess right after the, the Russian ASAT thing happened in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we talked about the fallout of that. And then at the time we were talking about some paperwork that he was also signing that was trying to get an ASAT ban globally. And this U S mm-hmm. thing is like the first one of those. So I feel like we'll probably have some good insight now that we've got the other end of that story. So it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So we'll get our get our get our, our mill space uh oh, yeah. groove on. So uh yeah, like I said, I know nothing about it. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's gonna be great. Uh I don't yeah, have any yeah. Miko things to talk about, but you have a lot of We Martians thing to talk about. Oh man, we did a gauntlet decadal survey. So uh uh we we teased this last week. We talked to Casey Dreyer. Um, so Casey came on my show, we did an hour and 45 minutes. I broke it into two episodes. Um, so he's now episode 120 and 121. We, this is like the, the podcast of record for the, like, if you ever need an audio version of the decadal survey, you can always come back to this because we cover <laughs> almost everything in it. It is like, uh, it's really fun, um, to talk about all the different things. Uh, yeah. So if you, if you don't want to read the 780 page report, uh, you need to go check that out. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, and then well, in, in honor of uh, in, in honor of the decadal survey's top recommendation to explore planet Uranus, <laughs> I made some bad merch. Is not good. <laughs> so if you want to uh, wear a shirt that says, uh, you know, to show your support, if you want to stand behind the decadal survey and you know explore the mysteries of Uranus together, you can now get a probe Uranus shirt. So. That's, uh, that was that's a, that was a fun merch right there. This is in the wrong shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made the shirt and I was like, uh, not everyone's going to want to put that on their chest. So then I made the mug and I was like, do people really want to put that on their lips? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Too good. So, Too yeah. good. No, it's funny because like when it was all happening, you know, the planetary scientists on Twitter were like, Oh, I'm not looking forward to all the jokes for the next like 30 years because this mission's gonna be yeah, so seriously. long. But but Emily Lochtewall made a great point. She's like, we just gotta lean into it. This is the best free advertising that NASA's gonna get is everyone talking about your late so, night jokes and yeah, yeah, it's gonna be on all of them. So I'm taking her advice and I'm leaning into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We shall see you next week, I guess, huh? Yeah. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Pop on by next week. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.